Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to our podcast, The Ins and Outs of Selling a Business. Uh, for those of you just joining us, uh, my name is Keith D. I'm president of Osage Advisors. Osage Advisors is a boutique merger and acquisition firm founded in 2001, working with business owners and their families uh, looking to sell, typically with revenues of $5 million and up. Uh, so today I thought we would take a, a different spin towards the ins and outs of selling a company. Uh, we talked a lot in the past about how you prepare, things to look out for in negotiations. Uh, but one of the things that I thought would be kind of fun to talk about is, you know, how about when you start your company? I mean, we get the question all the time, uh, when should I prepare to sell? And the pat answer is you should prepare to sell your company uh, when you open the doors. So uh, we're very uh, fortunate today to have one of our own team members, Will Wilcoxon. Hi, Will. How are you? Hello, Keith. I'm well. Thank you. Great. Thank you for having and me on. I, I'm glad you're with us today. And uh, uh, for our audience's benefit, Will is, uh, comes from the, uh, the venture world. He spent a, a great portion of his career working with venture capital firms. Uh, investing in early stage businesses, uh, some startups, some pre-revenue, some uh, already had a, a proven concept, but uh, he has a distinct look at how he uh, looks at the business itself from that perspective. Uh, now, Will, I know you've looked at you know probably hundreds of deals in your life, uh, and you know uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, will call them because they look at a a need in the marketplace. It could be a software, it could be IT, it could be a product, uh, things that they have, they, they foresee as a, a, uh, that could, could be uh, very valuable to the customer long term. So whether that's a business customer, uh, whether that's consumer, and I'd love to get your perspective is, you know, what are some of the key traits that uh, you and your team uh, at your venture firms looked at when you were evaluating all these different deals? Sure. So there were a lot of similarities along with differences. Um, I think what we looked at first and foremost was the management team. You know, the the, the quality of the team that's really going to you know make the make the business work. And have they built in depth? And have they built in um, you know a recurring revenue model, for example? Um, uh, you know, a solid value proposition. And generally, uh, you know, a solid value proposition is one in which um, you're providing a product or service that um, your your clients see as beneficial, and they're willing to pay premium prices for that product or service. And in return, as a business, you have a long-term customer, hopefully with long-term and recurring revenues. So those are the, the similarities. Um, and I think that you know, when you get to meet a management team and understand what they're what they're doing, what they would like to do, how they're doing it, um, how they treat the people, um, that's really the the first and uh, most important pass. Of course, the the real due diligence happens after that, but those are the the things that um, are similar both to early stage venture and to um, lower mid market acquisitions or or you know fundraising opportunities. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, right? Because we talked a lot about in prior episodes about the importance of having a team in place. Uh, you know, you're going to have strategic buyers, you're going to have private equity firms, et cetera, looking at your company, and they come up with a valuation based on uh, a multiple of profitability. But at the end of the day, 
they're investing in the team. Is this the yes. team, right, that could take this, you know, to the next level after I, I buy this company that's, you know, has has produced significant revenues and EBITDA profitability over the years. And so the team. So from, so you're looking at the team, right? So so you look at the team before they even get going. You look at the team when you're exiting your business. So when they come in to pitch, right, they're coming in or they're going to pitch you and say, hey, we want you to invest, whether it be $5 million, $10 million, $20 million in our business, uh, you know, what do you want to see in that team? You know, I think the um, the most important thing is that the team is really grounded in reality. And that comes from experience. And, um, you know, in the venture world, you'd meet a lot of, you know, CEO founders who are really excited. And they would talk about how big the market is and how hot this is and how, you know, they talk about trends and stuff and, and use some really flowery language to describe, you know, their their venture and why it was foolproof. And that doesn't necessarily uh, register because, you know, you, you see that a lot and you're able to turn out or turn off a lot of the noise, you know, the superlatives and so forth. Um, but when you meet a CEO, an owner, uh, a manager, and they're showing you their metrics, and they can tell you, you know, um, how many companies they have in their pipeline and what the dialogue is between them and where realistically they are in their process. Once you know that you have a, a team that's, that's, you know, grounded in facts and has data on their side and they're passionate about it, but realistic about it, that's probably the most important quality to see in the senior management team. They have to have the vision. They have to have the passion but it's really got to be grounded in um, reality. Yeah, we see that all all the time. Uh, you know, uh, people, owners, entrepreneurs. You know, they they are passionate about, like you said, their uh, their product or service. It's the next greatest thing. It's going to have a long lifespan. It's going to capture a huge market share. All those kind of things. So, so you look at the management teams. That's kind of like your first pass, right? So now you're looking yes. at, okay, what do they got, right? And you look at, and, and you've been successful. Your team, you're, you know, you've taken things that were, you know, early stage, through various, you know, uh, you know, phases to a public offering. Right. Uh -huh. So and, you know, how do you evaluate the product, the market, et cetera, when you're looking at that? And again, you're, you're you know, venture capital is high risk. So you're 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 kind of rolling the dice in some aspects, but you have bought into um, uh, the team, their prized successes, possibly uh, uh, their vision, the market need, whether it's a service or product. How, how do you look at that? How do you, how do you feel about that to, to kind of say, okay, I'm willing to write that check right now? Yes. So that, that actually is a, a great opening to some of the differences between like early stage technology investing and mid-market businesses. And that is that the technology companies from day one are built to be sold or built to be taken public. And they generally have a good deal of institutional capital behind them. So they will hire, uh, say, a CFO, a good CFO, long before they need one full time, because that person will be in place and help them to grow more efficiently when they get to that point. 
Whereas, uh, so they're built to be sold. They know that when their company is a success, they're going to sell and they're going to get a lot of money for their stock options or their stock. And, um, and that's how they make their money. With family businesses or, or lower mid-market businesses, many of which are family or closely held, those businesses were created initially to provide income for the owners. And they don't make the same investments up front because every dollar that I spend on advertising is a dollar that I don't pay myself at the end of the month. And so they tend to back end load expenses as, as late as they can because it's, you know, the company was intended uh, to provide an income for a family or families. And that's where you see a lot of the differences. And when you do the due diligence, um, you know, of course, uh, maybe a family business hasn't grown that much in the past few years. Maybe it's, you know, 10% a year. So it's growing nicely, but not huge growth story. Right. And the CEO says, well, <clears throat> if I had invested more in sales, I could have gotten these projects or developed this product. And so therefore, some of the value that they're describing is going to be what's generated after the company is acquired or invested in. So I like to talk to existing clients and previous clients and prospective clients and get their and get their take because if they're well informed about a new product and perhaps they've had some involvement in how that product was described they're probably going to be pretty objective and and that's what you're really looking for in all the in, in all these opportunities are you know what what is the data that supports the fact that this is going to be the success and, and sometimes it's anecdotal. Sometimes you have some pretty good uh, analytics to show it. But, you know, you're really looking under the covers to say, does this, you know, make does this make a lot of sense? And I think it's probably a little bit easier in the lower mid-market companies to see that that potential than it is with some of the technology companies, because, you know, the technology companies are always, uh, you know, building really quickly because things change very rapidly. And with the smaller, lower mid-market companies, there tends to be less or slower, slower change. You know, you bring up a, a very interesting point uh, because, you know, early stage investing, institutional capital is coming in at the onset of the business, right? The owner is willing to give up, our ownership group is willing to give up a significant amount of equity to bring in uh, cash, but not just cash, also resources, Right. So yes. you, you look at one thing, but you, you, you have your own, everybody lives their own little Island, of how they run their companies, but they don't look at the broader perspective of the market and what other resources are out there. Not because it could be just because they just don't know that these other resources are available. They give you a whole different uh, perception or look, or the light bulb goes on that could help you build your business. Right. So, when I look at it from early stage, like where you played a lot with some very successful businesses, you know, maybe touch a little bit on that because, you know, money's one thing, but, but the, but the human capital piece, the Rolodex, uh, the relationships you bring into early stage. And, and again, you're spending money, right? You're looking, you're, you're investing in the growth and you may not be profitable for three to five years, and there's a high burn rate, but you have a you guys have a high success rate of, of prior deals. But maybe you can just touch about that piece of it about how you know 
other things that come to the table that open up the entrepreneur or business owner's eyes at the early stage where you're going to say, hey, we're willing to spend this kind of money to bring in that seasoned CFO for one, the sales and marketing group, uh, SEO, uh, you know, uh, consultants, uh, you know, web designers, marketing people, all this type of thing, branding the business. You know, maybe you can just touch about how you guys uh, in the early stage really convince the ownership group that these are things that are really required to make you success, not just the product itself. Yes, well, I, I was fortunate to back some very good entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, and you really have to give the credit to them because it's really, um, you know, their their vision, their their baby, and they and they're the ones who really make it work. But on the margin, if you're, you know, a venture investor and you're seeing maybe three hundred business plans a year, and you're talking to maybe a hundred of those owners. Um, you get some perspective on, you know, what is hot and what is not, or you've, you know, as a, um, a partner at a venture firm helped to interview a couple hundred different candidates for a vice president of, of sales role that, you know, you might back a CEO who's really good at what they do, but they've never hired a vice president of sales and they maybe don't know exactly, you know, if it's a technological founder, they might not know all the questions to ask the salesperson, mm -hmm. or they might not have the same network to be able to check out that salesperson or you know vice president of sales. And so, while the the owner operators CEOs generally are very good at the day to day you know strategy and execution of a plan, um, these there's just so many of these one off things that they haven't got the experience that you can help them with that really creates a lot of value. So you know, I can help to negotiate you a line of credit with this bank, or I've got a network of board members that could help to, to give you some advice in this industry. And that's where I think good investors really add the majority of the value. It's not in running the business, it's helping the CEO and the CEO's team uh, to get access to the resources that they need, capital and, you know, human and otherwise. Yeah, so, so building a team is one thing, right? Building the right team is another. And so what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, right, I need a head of sales, but who's the right person for that? Which is going to be one of the critical positions that you, when you're building a, a brand new business, is having that right person. So it sounds like to me, you know, that, you know, this is where early stage investors can really add a lot of value because they have, they know people that have been highly productive and successful in those roles working with early stage companies. Yes, and that and that ability to work with the team, not micromanage, but offer up ideas of strategy or even execution, because you know I, I might be looking at five new companies a week and going to board meetings to five companies a month, and so I'm meeting other board members, I'm meeting advisors, I'm meeting people that uh, might be helping one company, you know, this month, but then helping you know, one of my companies next month and just building that network and, and understanding how to support w without micromanaging is, um, is, is a task that, uh, or a skill that, you know, takes, takes time to develop. And I, I was fortunate that I had some other partners. Um, I was with Axiom Ventures in, in Hartford and my partners, Alan and Sam, had a great deal of, of, you know, patience and insight. And, um, you know, they were good at, at picking 
you know, companies to invest in and CEOs, but also very good at understanding how to how to work with those, you know, teams without, again, micromanaging or, or trying to do the work ourselves. It's really in support of the, the management teams. Yeah, you just, uh, interesting word you, you, you used in that uh, uh, less, less uh, about your partners is patience, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes time to, for a product or a service to gain traction. And, you know, in addition, when, you know, you're selling a company, it takes time to find the right partner or a company you're going to sell to that you feel good about uh, that's the right fit that's going to continue on the business long term. So those are both two, right? Those are really important aspects of both sides uh, when you're looking at early investors and you're also looking at when you're exiting your business. And um, on that line, I, I, you know, there's, there's a certain time when patience runs out on the early stage, right? I mean, venture fund, venture capital by its nature is risk capital, right? You're going to, you may invest $100 million in 10 different deals. And one of them, that $100 million becomes a billion dollars, but the other nine just don't go anywhere. I mean, it could be three or four of them or five or six of them just kind of plot along as small little companies and just, just never really gain hold and a couple may fail. That's the nature of business. That's the nature of capitalism and entrepreneurship. You know, everybody stubs their toes, so to speak, and not everything works. So what would be a couple things that, you know, on the things that didn't work out, things that, you know, you, you know, you did your diligence, you bought into the management team, you, you saw a perceived need for the product or service in the market, and then it just, you know, flopped, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I mean, things change and markets change and circumstances change. And, um, you know, there have we have had some companies that um, didn't do well and you need to know how and when to cut your losses. So maybe you have, uh, you know, a team that's, you know, trying really hard. They're having some successes, but not enough. Um, you don't want to put a ton of money in it, but also, you know, the, the team is still, you know, ready and willing to go. So maybe if you come up with a compromise where, you know, we'll put in a, a smaller amount of money and prove it out over the course of the next six months. But at the end of the six months, if, if you don't really get there, um, you know, you have to realize when it's time to, to cut your losses and, and you don't want to throw good money after bad. And I've seen situations in which that has happened and in which um, we said, hey, this is still a great management team. And and even though maybe the company gets shut down, but we try our best to help put those people into other companies that we have. So, you know, you're, you're hopefully not disrupting, you know, too much, but that's, that's also the nature of early stage in technology. It's high risk, high um, reward. And sometimes it doesn't work out. So you try to treat the people the best you can. And when it does, you know, that, that sort of takes care of itself. But, you know, again, it's being practical about where you are. One of the disciplines that a lot of companies don't do is they'll do projections or they'll have projections when they invest in the company. But then do they go back a year later and say, um, you know, how did we do versus the project initial projections? And then two years later, because even though there are good things happening at a company, sometimes maybe it isn't it isn't resulting in revenues or, you know, profits, whatever it is. So being objective can, um, can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it sounds like that, you know, it's just, it could be a timing thing, right? I mean, it could be that you have a great product, you invest in it, and all of a sudden, six months later, Microsoft comes along, or Apple comes along, or, and, you know, basically just captures the market. I mean, you can look back at, uh, remember the old days with Netscape and CompuServe, you know, those were the, 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 those were the beginning of the internet. And then AOL kind of took those guys for a ride and they were gone. And then all of a sudden Google showed up and then AOL became us and, and Yahoo and AOL became a second line player because they just didn't keep up with uh, the technology advances the other companies had. So, you know, hitting the market at the right time is critical. Would you agree on that? Oh yeah. You can be too early. It's not always the first mover. You throw out a couple examples there you know, Betamax was better than VHS, which wasn't as good as compact discs. So, you know, technology moves quickly and it's not necessarily being the first mover, it's being the one that gets to the largest customer adoption within a short period of time. And that's why venture investors are willing to invest in losses because if they can grow faster and be, you know, the first provider in a, in a new market, um, they're the de facto standard and they get a premium valuation, but you know, the number twos and threes usually fall to the wayside. Well, I think that is a great way to, uh, you know, to wrap up this segment and love to have you back. I mean, you've been with Osage now for close to three years and kind of pick your brain on, uh, experiences that you've had with with together with the rest of the Osage team on dealing with business owners who are looking to sell. So I hope you come back and we can pick this up on another episode. I'd, I'd love to come back and Keith, thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you, Will. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us today. Again, my name is Keith D, president of Osage Advisors. Uh, to learn more about our firm, you can visit us, visit us on the web at osageadvisors.com. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at kdee at osageadvisors.com or give us a call at 860-767-3273. Thanks again for your time and have a great day. <laughs>